Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Well, good morning. Welcome to Harvest. And uh, as you know, man, it's crowded up here. That you don't know, but I do. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to trip over something. My voice will crack another time or two. I am going through puberty again. I'm still getting pimples at 52 years of age. I know. I just don't get that. I um, guess it's in my genes family. I don't know. Did I get mad at my parents for that? Uh, either way. Anyway, today, um, as you know, as the elder board, we sat down and we wanted to look forward to 2017. And what are the things that we believe that God has placed on our hearts that we would like to see in our church this year? And one of the things that I have a sense or a feeling for is family. So I want to talk about family today. Now, when I say the word family, what do you think? Uh, what are your initial thoughts when you hear that word family? Well, for some of us, we come from a really good experience. I grew up in a really good family. I am I'm so happy uh, for the way my parents raised us. Uh, to this day, still love my brothers and my sister, who is a twin separated by nine years. Um, a real sense of family. I really um, like my family. I don't always enjoy getting together uh, because sometimes it just seems like, didn't we have this Last time that we went together, doesn't seem to be a progression, but I, I really love my family. I, I enjoy uh, my family. But some of you uh, come from a different place. When you, when you hear the word family, you, you think of mess and dysfunction and sin or addiction. And to you, family is one of those words that sort of makes you shudder. And I guess, and I wonder, in, in a weird way, if when we shudder, we really are still longing for that kind of family that comes together and is tight-knit and close. Uh, I think of my family now. I, I enjoy my family quite a bit. Um, I, I, just, I, I appreciate the way uh, my wife laughs. Uh, to my dying day, I will appreciate the way that my wife was able to listen to God and uh, to bring into our family two little girls um, who wouldn't have had the kind of family that we have. I think of my three biological kids and uh, how much fun they are, uh, how much heartache they can be, but how much fun they can be. Appreciate that my son has grasped fully onto my humor and evangelizes all of you with it on Facebook. He denies it, but he's in denial, which is okay. Uh, It's a stage. He'll get over it. He might even be funnier than me. I don't know. That's going to be hard. It's a tough calling. Uh, and, and I just love being with the two little ones. Uh, day in and day out to just wake up and, and think that, wow, God has gifted our family with two girls um, that are just so, so precious, so, so unique. And so when I think of family, man, I think, wow, that's great. Now, what about church family, though? It's the same thing, right? Uh, and you hear the word church family, and even here today, some of you are thinking, man, we've had that conversation. Church family, you know, uh, we talk about church family, but I don't really feel like we're a church family. I don't really feel that we're close. And uh, you might be in that place, but me, I, I really in, enjoy uh, being at, at Harvest. I, I feel really accepted at Harvest. You, you love my humor, right? 
And uh, I feel accepted when you laugh at something that I know is really bad. I confess sometimes. But I also uh, feel accepted in so many ways as a church. Even in my lack of organization, I feel the sense of family. Where some of you sit there today and you go, man, that is so, you are so frustrating. Why, why does it seem like you're, and, uh, but you accept me for that, right? And, and you love me for that in the midst of all of my failures. And I have many, many a fault. Um, but still that sense. But for others, it's like, man, this church, I, I come here and I feel disconnected. I could sit here Sunday after Sunday and not really feel that anybody cares about me. And I've heard some people say, when I come to Harvest, or even if I didn't come to Harvest, nobody would notice. Nobody would even kind of recognize that, hey, you're missing. Like, we haven't seen you in, in weeks or... And, uh, you know, you've been gone for years and you come back and you go, hey... And, it's, and there's that sense of there's disconnect. And so... What I want to share with you today, what I would hope to see in our church, Harvest Community Church, not only in the year 2017, but for the rest of our church lives, because I, I believe there's something about a family when it comes together, and in a world where there's a lot of broken families, and people can look at that and say, man, I want that, there's something about God in our midst, because it is his family, we are his family, that really draws people to God ultimately. So I'm going to look at three things and if you want to open with me to Acts chapter 13, we're going to look at verses 1 through 3 just to get us started. While you're heading over there, whether it's on your phone or your paper Bible or whatever, or you have it memorized, I just want to read these words. It says this. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and, and sent them off. I think when I think of harvest, my sense of when God calls us to be family, God calls his family to come together and pray. And when I'm reading these verses, I'm really struck by something that happened, which was this. Uh, they got together and they worshipped. They're praying, they're fasting, they're seeking God. They're seeking God's face. Not necessarily seeking some sort of strategy or God's hand of favor, but they're really just saying, God, we're here. We're, we're, we're entering into worship. And uh, we want to be here. And, and I really believe that God calls his church family to gather together and pray. And if you just kind of survey the book of Acts, you're going to see the church family coming together and praying a lot. Uh, after Jesus is risen into heaven, they get together and for 10 days, they are just praying. They're saying, uh, Jesus told us, get together, pray for power on high. And uh, they're just getting, for 10 days, they're just hitting it. They're just saying, God, we need your power. Jesus has said, go and reach the world. And in a world where there aren't airplanes, and, and where travel is slow, but Jesus is saying, go, I want, I want you to reach the world. And they're, they're praying. They're getting together. They're, as a family, we need God. We need God's power. God has called us to be witnesses. He's promised to give us this power. We need to get together. And they realize, I think, that we're in the middle of a spiritual battle, and this is something we can't do. We cannot change people's minds. But we can be used by God so that through us, Minds will be changed, and they will see Jesus for who he is. And that's just the start of the church. They get together, they get persecuted, they pray. 
They have leadership issues. They pray. Let's have, uh, let's pray for another leader. Let's pray for deacons. And so all throughout the book of Acts, you're just seeing the family of God coming together and they're praying. But what I find cool in the midst of this, this chapter here is that they're in the middle of worship and they're, they're just honoring God for who he is and God then speaks. That's kind of an interesting way to get guidance, isn't it? When you think about it, how do we normally get guidance? How many of you are like me? Whether you do it mentally or you do it on a sheet of paper, you sit there and say, here's the pros. Here's the good things about this decision. And uh, here are the bad things about this decision. And then we begin to weigh them. And then we say, okay, now that I have this, God, what do you think I should do? I can't imagine a, a church coming together and saying, God, we just want to worship you. We want to see you. We want to find you. We want to be in relationship with you. We want to be experiencing the intimacy that the early church had. That's what we want. And they're doing it in community. And then to have God speak seems totally foreign to us in many ways. I really believe that God calls his family to come together to pray. Because they have to realize as a family that if you're not together... If you're not united, if there's division, if there's problems, difficulties, broken relationships, God withholds. Now, I know some churches you could say, yeah, they grew in the midst of all those difficulties. But God's call for us, the ideal in a sense, is that God's family will come together and they will seek his face constantly. God's call for us is to pray because we need him. Even as you sit here today, whether I'm serious or I'm funny, there's no way you're going to leave here changed unless God does something. I can't say something new or interesting or exciting. Maybe something a little bit different that you might not have heard before. But it, you can leave here and say, man, that really makes sense. And, and, and I'm not calling us as individuals to pray more. I'm calling us as a church family to pray more because I believe God's family should be praying more together because that's what God calls us to do. Again, when you're reading the book of Acts, it's not Paul by himself saying, I'm praying. It's not Peter saying, I'm praying. It's Luke saying, these guys got together as a church family and they prayed because they recognized the absolute need for God. We need God. We need to be in relationship with God. And we need it in a community because their call is, as a family, we gather together as a family. Now, I don't know about everybody because some of you from out of town, but how many of you have experienced holidays alone? Have you ever experienced a holiday alone? Now, for some of us who are introverts, you might be going, man, that'd be so cool. (laughs) That would be awesome to have no one around to sit back and I could watch Netflix or or whatever I need to do to just kind of enjoy. That would be really awesome. But I think if you did that year after year after year, I would find it difficult. Trust me, I'm an introvert. I would love to have a day like that. But without family, it's just not the same, right? And, And that's what God is calling us as a family is to come together. Not just on Sunday for worship, and not just on Wednesday nights to pray, but whenever we come together to be a community that says we are family, and we need God. And I'm a representative of God, meaning all of us, and when we get together, I want to represent God in your life, and if I can seek and pray, then I want to do that. And I want to do that not just for me, but for you and everyone that is a part of our community. 
so that our community is bathed in a sense of God's presence. Not in a sense of prayer, but in a sense of God's presence because we are praying together. So my vision ultimately is that what I want to see in this church is that as a church comes together, wherever we come together, that we're actually praying. And as I was reflecting on 2016, realizing when I look at the youth group, I realized that it's a very good group. We get together, we enjoy ourselves, but there really isn't this sense or presence of God in prayer. And so Friday night, our first Friday night meeting, we actually sat down and we prayed through conflict resolution. And um, I forgot to ask Elijah beforehand, but I'm just going to use him anyway. Is he here? I mean, I know he's here, but is he in, is he in seeds? Okay, good. So he won't know that I said this unless he listens to the message. But we're praying, and I'm listening to this kid pray. And uh, I came up with a sheet, a cheat sheet, i got to say that right, for conflict resolution, and this kid was praying it. And I'm sitting there listening to this kid pray God's word. And for me, there was a sense of encouragement because, one, we're coming together as a family, and we're praying that our youth group would be one. That like Jesus, we would love one another. Like the call of the Spirit, that we would be one. And he is just praying that. And when you're hearing him pray that, when I'm hearing him pray that, I was encouraged recognizing that this is what God calls his family to do. To come together to seek his face and ultimately his hand of favor. That's my vision. That when we get together, you know, like, uh, when I was at the last church, the Chinese church that I was at, we used to think, you know, when you get off, just before you get off the phone, usually you just say, hey, goodbye, talk to you later. Why not just spend a moment in prayer? Why not just, hey, can I, can I pray for, some, for you for something? Could you imagine a church that's always asking, what can I pray for? Anyway, that's what I believe I would like to see. But that's only one part of what I believe God would like to do in Harvest. The second part, if you'll open with me to Romans chapter 15, verse 7. I really, part of my family vision is that we would learn to accept each other for who we are. And Romans 15 verse 7 says, Accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Which is really cool, because when, when you're looking at that, what, what Paul is saying, he's dealing with something, it's like some people go, hey, uh, don't eat meat, do eat meat. Drink this, don't drink that. This holiday, that holiday. You know, and there's difference of opinions that exist in the family of God. Which is okay. But Paul says, you know, in the midst of all of these differences of opinions, and and let's put that in modern terms, Democrat, moderate, Republican, independent, whatever, Cubs fan, Sox fan, Packers fan, Bears fans, Bulls fan, well, nobody compares with the Bulls, but you know what I mean. So even in in the midst of all those differences, I almost feel like right now I should ask Howie to come up here and get a hug from a Sox fan. You know what I mean? It's, It's accepting him in all of his failures and faults, yet still loving him. Do you know what I'm saying? But, I mean, those are trivial things, because the reality is, whether your sports team wins or loses, it doesn't change your life, does it? It doesn't change... I mean, unless you're gambling, and I'm not encouraging you to gamble. But those things are trivial, but there's something much deeper in us. Personality traits that we have that people are like, whoa, dude, that's a little difficult. That's hard for me when you say that. For, For instance... Um, I'm sarcastic. I don't know if you've ever noticed that before. And uh, it's been really difficult to have John Moody in our church office because he is too. I'm funnier. 
and I'm wittier, I think he's a little older, he slowed down in his, his wits, but that's kind of a difficult atmosphere to, to be in. But if we are fighting and, and not accepting one another, there's a problem. But we can accept that that is a part of us. But there are some people who are hurt by things like that. Now, I'd like to stand up here and say, hey, listen, I'm sarcastic, okay? You just got to accept it. Because Scripture says, accept one another, then just as Christ has accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Accept it. This is who I am. But I don't think that's the way God accepts us. Here's what I mean. What Paul here is writing, he says, in order to bring praise to God. How does God get praise? Let's slip over to Romans chapter 8. And I want to see how God accepts us. Because I think some of us will say this. Listen, why don't people accept me just the way I am? Because God does. And he does. But I don't think he stops there. And here's why I say that. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, a very familiar verse, reads this way. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Paul, what's, your, what's God's purpose? For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. This is how God accepts us. This is the gospel. In other words, what Paul says is this. God saw you in eternity past. He saw you for who you are. He saw you for what you would do. And he still gave his son. He accepts you just the way you are. How many of you have heard the uh, him just as I am? Okay, if you're, probably if you're over 50, right? Everyone else doesn't seem to be raising their hands. In fact, I suggested to Eugene that we would play. He's like, there's no way I'm playing that. <laughs> Dude, Billy Graham, man. And then he goes, who's Billy Graham? That's even worse. Okay, I know he, he's just joking around, but you know what I mean. But this is the gospel. God sees us for who we are. He already knows who we are, and he accepts us. He calls us to him in relationship and says, come as you are. And that's where we all stop. But God does not stop there. God says, yes, in the midst of your foibles, failures, hurts, addictions, you name it, I already know it's there. I'm not surprised. I'm not standing there going, whoa, wait a minute, you struggle with that? No, God is saying, I know that, and I accept you right where you are. And so whatever it is that you're doing that you might not even want to tell anybody else because you're embarrassed by that, God still accepts you in that. But if you're a follower of Christ, what Paul is saying here is, listen, God knew you in the past. He called you to himself. He brought you across the line of salvation. You have followed Christ. You're on that path. But he doesn't stop there because his ultimate goal is to conform you to be like Jesus. So if you're going to sit there and say, why cannot people accept me as I am? There's truth in that, but the whole truth is God does not accept you that way. God accepts you fully, completely, absolutely, and then says, now we still have more to do because I want to see you become like Jesus. Not when you're dead and gone, living in the by and by, but even right now. And yes, you will blow it frequently, many times over. And I can accept that, but I do not want to accept that this is where you have to stay. 
That's the kind of acceptance that I believe Scripture teaches that God is all about. You are who you are. Whatever your personality quirk is, whatever your history has formed you to be, God says, I get it, and I accept it. But now that you follow me, I want to make you different. I want to make you into the image of my son, Jesus. That's the gospel. That's what it means to start to become holy. It doesn't mean perfection. We're not going to hit that perfection stride on this side of heaven. But the call of God on his family is that they would accept one another. They would accept where we could get to a place where I see what you're doing. Man, and that is so wrong. In fact, in the last month, I've heard of two men who've had affairs on their wives. You don't go, hey, the guy doesn't go, hey, accept me for who I am. I like women. Accept it. Get over it. No, it's wrong. But the acceptance that the church family brings to this is saying this, what you have done is wrong, but we will walk with you as you walk with God to get to a place where you become conformed to the image of his son, Jesus. That's acceptance. There's a lot of things that we look at each other's lives and we go, I I don't want to judge you, so I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to accept you. What scares me is that can be sin on our part as well. Because God has called us, his family, to partner with him as a community, as a family, to help each other become formed, conformed to the image of his son, Jesus. Does that make sense? Wouldn't you like to be in a church where you could tell people, I am so messed up, this is what I do. And yes, people are going to go, wow, you do that. But you know what? I'm going to walk with you. I don't care. I am going to walk with you. You're going to have your relapses, but I'm going to walk with you. You know that I'm not a gambler, and I basically don't drink. Every once in a while, I will. There's various reasons why I don't. But can we look at the gambler, the alcoholic, the adulterer, and say, dude, I will walk with you. We don't have to accept the behavior, but accept the person. Because Paul says what? Accept one another. Not just acceptance, like, hey, whatever you do, whatever, hands off, hands free. But one that says, to be like Christ. I want to be a part of a family like that. A family that looks at me and says, dude, you're messed up, but we're with you. And we'll stick with you. Come hell or high water. You can walk on us. We will still stick with you. That's the family that I believe God calls us to. But there's a third thing. That's my vision. My other vision is this, reconciliation. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I'm beginning to work with a progression, and the progression works like this. The more time you spend with God, you see who you are, and you go, wow, I'm really not living up to the standards that God wants me to live up to, that he calls, calls me to, but I can just come and seek him and worship him and be with him, get direction, guidance, strength, comfort, all those things, And I'm moving in that direction because the foundation of all of that is the fact that God accepts me for who I am, but yet is conforming me into the image of his son. And in the midst of all that, the reality is when we get together as people, what happens? This is what we were teaching at our youth group retreat. When you gather people together, conflict is inevitable. 
It's just absolutely inevitable. There, there's, there's no way, I've never seen anyone ever not get upset or get into an argument or disagreement. Does, has anyone here been like that? Like you've never had an argument in your life? June, you're raising your hand. Oh, no, okay, sorry. I was just kidding. It's a little, because people look so serious. I mean, I want you to be serious, but it's inevitable. It's going to happen when you bring people together. But the community or family that I would like to be a part of here at Harvest is this one. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, Paul says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And there's that gospel thing again. I mean, we pray because we need the gospel in our lives and that God calls us to spread the gospel everywhere and that we accept one another because, again, that's part of the gospel because God accepts us. And now here again in the midst of reconciliation, Paul says this is the gospel. In a a modern way, saying that coming together as a family in relationship with each other. Because the gospel isn't about forgiveness of sins only. It is primarily about entering into relationship with God. And when you're in community, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be conflict. There are things that upset me. Because I can remember like growing up when my parents, and again, I'm, I'm not trying to offend anyone here. But I can remember when they used to eat, they used to eat and they used to chew sometimes with their mouth open. Drove me nuts. And if you do that, I accept you. And if we go out to dinner, please don't. (laughs) It got so bad. I'm being honest with you here. Please accept me for this, but know that I'm being conformed into the image of Christ. I put um, cotton balls in my ear. I couldn't do it anymore. And they're like, why do you have cotton in your ears? And I couldn't tell them. I could not tell them. Because it would have been rude. And I didn't do it ever again. But just that sense of, the, the, to me, that was conflict. There was, there was something between me, me and my, my parents and I that was broken. And I, I don't know what it was, but I realized the problem wasn't them, but the problem was me. That's a simple thing. How many of you here, sitting here right now, are in conflict with someone else in this community? They have done something. They have said something that has hurt you or offended you or angered you, or just done something that has really upset you. I'm going to say, if not now, maybe in the future, or in the past. What is God's call to his family? It is to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God has forgiven us. I think the the beauty of the gospel is that when we recognize how much God has forgiven us, and we begin to think like, wow, God has forgiven me of so much, how can I not forgive someone else as deep and as grand as that wound is? And and just off the top of my head, as I get older, I forget things, but I don't don't have any idea who it was. But just this week, someone just sharing and saying, listen, I, I see my problems, and then I look at the world's problems, and I go, really? I'm upset about that. And, and I think what Paul's saying here, and I, and I hope that I, I'm getting his words correctly, but I, what I think I hear him saying is this. Listen, when you reflect on the gospel and you really honestly look at your heart and you really honestly see how your relationship with God has been going and you recognize in your heart how often you really don't listen to him and you don't want to do what he says, and then go a step further and do what you want to do after he says, don't do that. 
and you recognize that it's not like a once a year sort of thing, but it's a regular pattern in your life. The fact that God would say then, listen, when you come and you say you're sorry and you turn for that, and he says, all is forgiven because I accept you, but still want to see you conform to the image of Jesus. How can you not extend forgiveness to someone else? No, I'm not saying that from a position like shame on all of you. Because I know myself, I've been in a place of unforgiveness. And for those of you new, for those of you that old, uh, for old, I've shared this story before, but the first church that I was at, it was a devastating end to an experience. And for five years after that, I carried a sense of bitterness and unforgiveness in my heart. Absolutely wrong. Because the words of Paul would say, what? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. In other words, Frank, you're hurt. Get it. But, look at our relationship. Look at the ways you have disobeyed. And yet, when you come and say sorry, forgiveness is extended. I I held on to it for five years. Missing the point of what Paul is trying to say. I think a real family can turn to each other and say, you have hurt me. You have done this. But I'm going to forgive. Now, which is really hard to say because the other person receives it this way. Oh, so you're spiritually superior to me and now you can forgive me. No, I'm not saying that. Even in our own individual hearts, I think the family of God, the call that God has on our lives is to say, I will extend forgiveness as forgiveness has been extended to me. How has it been extended to you? It is immediate and it is eternal. It is immediate and it is eternal when we turn from our sin. It's not just saying, hey, you know what? You keep hurting me. It is confronting. And reconciliation requires an atmosphere where we can actually confront each other and say, this is how you've hurt me. And to embrace that, understand that, grasp that, and in turn extend uh, forgiveness or an apology where necessary. But a true family, to me, the family that I want to see, the one that I want to even see in our youth group is one that says, listen, we are not perfect. But in the midst of my hurting you, I still want to be able to walk with you because you matter to me because you are family. And that's my vision, to see Harvest be a family. My heart breaks when I hear people say, I don't feel like this is my family. My heart breaks when people leave Harvest because they say, I couldn't find the family that you keep talking about, but I never see. And I get that. I understand that. Some of us have that difficulty. But my hope is that like a family a family of God that we do not turn our backs and walk away when we've been hurt or offended. Or when we've done the hurting and offending and expect everyone to accept us as we are. My hope, my desire, my vision for 2017 and beyond is that we would be a church family. A church family that really says, you know what, when we come together, I want to bless you. And one of the greatest blessings that I can do is to pray, to ask God to move in your life. And and another great blessing to say, listen, I see who you are, I know who you are, but I still accept you. And the beauty of that acceptance, 
I want to accept you like God accepts you and not leave you in your sin or your struggle or your addiction. But I want to jump in that mess with you and I want to walk with you out of that mess so that God can continue to form you to be like his son Jesus. And in the midst of that journey and in the midst of that road, when we have conflict, I want to extend to you the freedom to say, hey, come and talk to me. But I want to also know that I can come and talk to you as a family member and say, this is what happened. How can we bring this together? How can we be family as God has intended family to be? Because the world that we live in is a place where people are longing for family. And they want to find that family. And I want Harvest to be that place where people recognize that this is where God's family, not the church family, God's family comes together because God is here because I can see it in the way that they love one another. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.